Still not sponsored by Duncan. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. What's up? Hi. It's been a couple weeks. Dos weeks. Dos weeks. <laughs> Is that the word? I'm probably not. <laughs> We're terrible. Good morning, and we everybody. Ha- and we have an Espanol channel. Oh, which, we do. by the That's way, right. if you speak Spanish, go check out the Wood Whisperer Espanol. Espanol. It's I'm a great overdubs. Sur- yeah, I, I'm surprised our subscriber numbers over there isn't that, that high. Well, we need to penetrate into the Spanish market Yes. with more gusto, Nicole. Yes. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. I- I'm Mark. And I'm Nicole. And uh, it's the morning show. And we're... The woodworking morning look show. Look at that. We're the same height. What? I, oh, I just, uh, I removed my feet, and now I'm just standing on my <laughs> As Ava would say, I have nubs. no legs. When I ask her to go do something, <laughs> I have no arms. But I can't. I have no legs. <laughs> <laughs> sure you don't, Ava. Uh, we just want to thank some folks who helped us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodwhisperer. Uh, you saw their names on the title screen there. Jonathan Ju- Judich, David oh, Hernandez. that's, that's uh, Jonathan Judich is gazanked. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Alejandro Dominguez Jr., Nesh G., Michael Brindle, Mark Lowendorf, Michael Therig, and Far- Farshad Bagari. Farshad, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for helping out. Uh, head over to Patreon. You'll see we've got a lot mm-hmm. of levels. I looked at it today. We're going to maybe look at it. Maybe we'll revamp some things. Maybe tweak it. But there's a lot of levels. Yeah. I was really surprised how many levels and there are. And if you're at, at the $2 level, you get our after show, which is... More banter, more off-topic. More BS. Yes. Lots more, of garbage. More of this. More of this crap. Who, who wants more of this? I don't know. Hey, I got a couple of people to thank. Oh, boy. Uh, Ian sent me a while back. He sent me an email and he said, look, you don't have to promote it. Well, too bad. I'm going to promote it. We'll show you. We'll show you. We're going to promote it you anyway. You sent me your product. It's called Glue Grit. And it's no I more I think it's glue pronounced Glue Grit. Glue Grit. What did I say? Glue Grit. Glue grit. What do you stop it? Glue grit. Glue grit. <laughs> I think it's like a play on true grit. Uh huh. So it's it's not like you say true grit. You say true grit. <laughs> so anyway, it's thank you, Ian. I got it. I just wanted to say thank you. Mark hasn't even opened it, um, but I just he sent nice instructions. So the, the idea here, I'm, I'm is guessing, is that you sprinkle it. Yeah, and it you sprinkle it into the glue. The little, almost like, I don't know what it actually is. It's probably some kind of sand particles that don't dissolve. Uh, and those little sharp particles kind of work as a, a grit and a almost like two pieces of sandpaper coming together mm-hmm. to stop boards from slipping. Oh, it's made in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how to say the city that it's made in. Uh, that is Ticonderoga. Oh, well, there you go. All right. So that's glue grit. And, glue grit. Uh, you know, we're promoting it, but I haven't tried it. So, yeah. you know, take, take that for what it's worth. Cool no, stuff, I'm though. just telling Ian that I got it. Yeah, we got it, Ian. We got it. Also, cool name. Uh, and then a few weeks ago, uh, someone had asked us about Kalo rings. And I was like, oh, wow, I haven't thought of Kalo in a yeah. long time. Since uh, that time we did that promotion with them. Yeah, and that was when we lived in Arizona. Yeah, that that's mine. mine. That's mine. That's definitely not mine. So they came in. Uh, they actually contacted us <clears throat> and said, hey, we're still around. We'd like to work with you again. Ooh. And so they sent us some rings. So these for are the free. rubber rubber rings for yeah. uh, safety reasons. So I've been wearing mine uh, since we went camping. Yeah. And I I don't think I I didn't wear them the last time. It was just the 
the design was a little too bulky. They came out with a new female design, which is like this woven. You can't see it, but (laughs) it's on my finger. It's on my finger. Okay. But I've loved it. I, 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 uh, I was curious if I would notice it. Uh, Let me ask you something. Yeah, yeah. Did they pay for an ad? No. All right, let's answer some questions. (laughs) So (laughs) we've got some great questions here. So thanks for the rings. From Patreon. (laughs) And uh, Nicole's going to grab questions from the live chat room so you guys can uh, ask live right now. Okay, so first question I have here is from Jeff Berry. He says, uh, hope all is well. I'm trying to decide between the Festool TS55 and 75. I know the 75 has a deeper cut capacity, uh, but also it's a bit heavier. Do you think it's better to get more saw than you usually need so that you have it in uh, the extreme cases when you need it? I'm not really in a position to buy both now or in the near future. Is there a significant power difference between the two? Uh, what are your thoughts on the comparisons between them? Okay, so this kind of reminds me a little bit of the, the conversation about the Domino, right? The Domino 500 versus the uh, bigger XL. Um, the way I usually describe this situation, if you are only going to use it for the thicker stuff, once in a while, but you're using it all the time for something else. Let's say you do a lot of plywood projects. So you're usually only cutting one sheet at a time and you're doing that a lot. That's where I think the 55 really makes sense because you're slinging this thing around constantly. A few pounds can make a big difference in how much you like using the tool. Uh, I know the Domino XL, the TS75, they're heavy tools. And, you know, it's not like I've I got weak wrists. Well, I did for a while. We actually have <laughs> yeah. a question regarding wrists oh, later on. Uh, but when I, you know, I'll tell you, when I did have problems with my wrist, it was brutal to, to hold a tool that has a couple pounds extra on it. I have problems with this arm since I had my herniated disc. Yeah. It's still really weak and I find myself like, yeah. Well, look, we're not getting any younger. <laughs> no, we're not. Right? So as you get older and you want to start slinging these tools around, the, the lighter it is, the better it is for you. So here's the difference. The TS55 is 9.9 pounds. Let's call that 10. Uh, versus 13.6 Let's call that 13.5, Nicole. Okay. <laughs> on the TS, uh, TS-75. So basically, it's three and a half pounds. Three and a half pounds doesn't sound like a lot. But when you talk about your hands and your wrists, three and a half pounds is significant. So, For long periods of time, too. Yeah, absolutely. Or just re- repetitive work. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, if you're doing a lot of sheet goods and you don't anticipate doing a lot with solid lumber... I would go for the 55. I think you're going to be happier with it. Um, if you go for the 75, that's what I would consider if you're doing a lot of solid wood, right? So if you're cutting some eight-quarter stock, the TS55 is not the most powerful saw out there. Um, you might be disappointed. I've ripped some edges on, you know, not like the hardest stuff in the world, like cherry, maple, um, soft maple, oak, things like that. The TS55 kind of struggles sometimes. Right? That thick, thick material. Um, but if you're just doing four quarter, it's not too bad. So I think the thickness of the material that you're using all the time really matters. And think about your wrists. I can't make the decision for you, though. <clears throat> as far as power, I'm pretty sure the TS-75 is a little bit more powerful. Um, so that is a bonus. Okay, Charles Masters wants to know. Oh, he says, uh, Nicole, how'd you hold up with Mark being gone for a week? Um, pretty good. I mean, the kids... I I cut out like the making kids are dinner. Kids. I I just try to make my life. We easier. just didn't eat. I, honestly, so. there was a night I was like, eh, I'll <coughs> pass. It's just me. The we kids cut. are fed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they're full of chicken nuggets and pizza rolls. <laughs> you They'll know, be fine. We did fine up until it was funny because it was like they sensed he was almost home. Yeah, they and could then, smell it. And then 
all hell broke loose. And I'm like, Is what? Is that father? <laughs> as soon as he walks through the door, I'm like, they're yours. You can have them. There you go. <laughs> all right. So we did fine. The rest of Charles' question says, uh, my wife prefers lighter tones in her furniture. She's looking to have me build a large dining table and wants a reddish tone, which is more stable and less prone to blotching if stained. White or red oak? There might be differences between those two, but I don't know of them. Um, these are not, you know, I worked with white oak more than red oak, but both woods are going to take a stain really, really well. You're going to have no problem staining them. Generally speaking, if they're cut well and the, the, the wood is, is dried properly, I don't think you're going to have a stability issue between them. You might have an easier time finding quarter sawn white oak, and quarter sawn mm -hmm. white oak is going to be a little bit more dimensionally stable for you. Um, it's a great material to work with. So I might lean toward white oak, and I kind of like the look of white oak a little bit better myself. But you're telling me she wants a reddish tone. That sounds like red oak. Red oak already has a little bit more of a reddish brown in it compared to white oak, so you're closer to your final color to begin with. I would just go with the red oak. You'll probably save money there, too. Mm -hmm. All right, Will Hooper says, Hey, Mark, on your mom's cupboards uh, video, you did a grain fill for a nicer finish with the paint. I'm building a vanity out of oak ply and was going to use that method, but was wondering if there was another type of ply that I could use and skip that step. Still have a nice finish that you got before, um, he says, or should that method be used on all types? Thanks for all you do. You're welcome, Will. I think you should not use red oak ply. Oak ply is going to act like uh, oak. You have pores to fill. If you are absolutely sure this is a paint project, don't use oak. Use something that's got a closed grain structure, maple, um, birch, cherry. Uh, don't, uh, that was a bad suggestion. Cherry ply is going to be expensive. <laughs> I'm just looking at woods that are not going to necessarily have to have the pores filled. But I think if you look in the you know birch or certain grades of you know maple ply, these are things that you could just go right to your primer paint, no pore fill, absolutely avoid the oak. You're just going to make more work for yourself. Ah, more work for yourself. <clears throat> yeah, no reason to do that. Um, Sebastian Marchand says, I'm considering using rubber tiles for shop flooring. Have some questions related to that. Did you, did you had, oh, did you have to cut some to go around the machines and cabinets? Uh, if so, would you use to cut them? My shop is already set up and removing everything to install the tiles would be a lot of work. And he says, I also read that rubber tiles can smell a lot. Did you have some issues with that? So you tell me, Nicole. What? I come in here way too often. I don't smell anything. <clears throat> Is it because we got used to it, or did it off-gas enough that there's it, just no smell? There's no smell. Believe me. You I, are sensitive to I smells. I am so sensitive <clears throat> to smells. Like, I need new carpet in our in my back, in my closet yeah. really bad. Because it just stinks. And I'm, All it takes is like one accidental dog pee. Yeah, in and a it drives like me that. nuts. Yeah. So, but I smell. Even when I was pregnant, it was even heightened then. But it's st it's still with me. Mm -hmm. So I have a sensitivity smell, and I don't smell anything. Okay, and to answer your question, so point is, it will smell initially, but you got to give it some time. It'll off gas, run some fans, keep the doors open. It may take a while, uh, but it'll get there. Cover it in dust. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, as far as cutting around machines, absolutely minimal. Um, the tiles are about, what would you say they are? Is that 18 inches? Oh, that's more than 18 <clears throat> inches. You think? Yeah. I think your estimator's broken. Give me a ruler. There's a ruler. We're, neither one of us is in a condition to get up. All right. You're fine. All right. Anyway, it's point is... It's not 18 is, inches. It's in, is... a, <clears throat> it's in an increment 
It's like 24. Even if it's not perfectly located, you can usually decide, like for instance, I've got a cluster of tools in the center. I make sure that in front of my saw, you know, it goes pretty much up to the saw. What happens on the back side is not as important because I'm usually not standing there all the time. So if there's a little bit of a gap, I'm fine with that. So I, I kept the cutting, excuse me, to an absolute minimum because I don't want to cut this stuff. But a lot of the tools will fit within a single or a double open space. So that's what I would recommend doing. Um, the few times I did cut them, I just use a, a razor blade, you know, like box a box cutter. cutter. It's thick and you've got to cut multiple times to get through it, but it worked. But again, I didn't really have to do it that often. These tiles are so expensive, I really did not want to cut them at all if I could avoid it because I want to be able to reconfigure, move them mm -hmm. around, and you start cutting it. Well, you experience that with options. the foamy ones that you would cut, and then yeah. those kind of look wonky. It, it's these right here, right? Yep. Strong rubber tiles. Yep. Eight millimeter. I'll put a link. Uh, it's uh, no affiliate. Uh, so if you're interested, it's rubberflooringinc.com. And there is the link to the exact ones Mark had. Well, I don't think he got the blue speckles. He got no, the... It's just plain black. Yeah, it's just black. It's black with black speckles. Speckles. Um. So your, your measuring, it's 23 inches by 23 inches. That's what I said. You said 18 inches. No, I believe I said 23. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing we don't have any way to verify no way what I at previously all said. To, to, to check that. <laughs> okay. Mike Davies says, um, it feels like my wrist tendon might be getting the itis. He's getting oh, a case of the no. itis, Nicole. He uh, goes, I know good. that wasn't what yours ended up being, but I'm considering getting a brace like the one you were rocking for a bit. Wondering how much it hindered your work or if there's any safety concerns you encountered while wearing it. Well, anytime you have something that's making your hand bigger than it is naturally, there's a risk there. You aren't necessarily used to, let's say your knuckles, uh, and a bandsaw blade, right? You may not be used to having an extra quarter inch of material there. So as you go to do something that's probably unsafe to begin with, you might wind up getting that caught. So there is a risk, but I think if you're following normal safety precautions and procedures by keeping your digits far away from the blades, it's not as bad as it could be, right? <clears throat> So if you have a full glove on, that's when things get a little bit messy because now your fingertips are covered. Uh, these wrist things don't cover your fingers, right? They just kind of go around your, your thumb over your back of your hand. So your fingers are free to move. So you usually have pretty full mobility. What you just do is sort of limit how much your wrist can bend. So you're not going to be able to do as much as you usually do. You can't put as much pressure on it. <clears throat> you can't... Drink your water. I'm talking. Okay. <laughs> you can't rely on the, that hand being as strong as it usually is. So if you're doing milling operations, it's a lot harder to push things through because you just can't, you don't have the, the flexibility. So try, I would kind of mock certain, uh, mock up a certain, um, you know, activities that you do. Try, you know, acting like you're doing something at the jointer without actually doing it. Get used to what that feels like. Get used to pushing things through the table saw so you know what you're in for. But it's going to be a little bit different. I recommend trying not, you know, trying to avoid it as much as possible. But if you have to do it, you got to do what you got to do. Just try to test it first. Uh, we have a couple super chats. Moose yeah. is in the chat. I haven't seen Moose in a while. Moose. Moose. Uh, and did a super chat said address for coffee. And what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Address for coffee. Uh, address for coffee. Address for coffee. <clears throat> is he saying like he wants our address to know. send us coffee? I thought that was a super chat. I don't know, but that was a super <laughs> chat. Uh, TT 
It, that's Tony Tang, right? Yep, I, I got a question from him right you here. Got well, let's do two questions from Tony. Well, he's got two questions built into his one question. <laughs> so three questions from Tony. Tony has lots of questions. He's a double dipper. He's a triple <laughs> dipper. Triple dipper Tony Tang. Says, any suggestions for safe places to go in Denver? Uh, had to help my friend move to Boston from California, <laughs> and we're driving. Uh, um, the freeway should be pretty safe. Yeah, we don't go anywhere. I mean... Yeah, but what's he mean by going? You're, 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 to eat? Yeah. Or to have some kind of recreation or woodworking? <clears throat> uh, and what does he mean by safe? Yeah. Like safe as in I'm not going to get mugged or safe as in you could COVID go, if, safe? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, COVID safe. Um, you could always go camping in Chatfield. <laughs> Look, bottom line is... You're moving. You don't want to stop here. Bottom line is do what you normally do. Yeah. Do a little research. If you want to go someplace, see if they're open. If they are open and you go there, if this is a COVID thing and you see lots of people in a small space not wearing masks, well, maybe you don't go there. Yep. Right? If you see uh, if you see everybody's kind of wearing the masks and distancing, then you probably have some confidence that you can head in there. I got an Ava. Oh, good. So you can finish up Tony's questions. Okay. Okay, so the other question we have here, um, he wants to, Tony wants to know if I stole some of Daryl's router bits. I did not do that. It would not be very nice. Uh, let's see. Is there any way to remove the green spots in maple? I thought about this. I even Googled it. Tony, I have never really seen a lot of green spots in maple. I'm not sure what that is. Anyone else know? If you know, talk, uh, you know, just put a reply in the chat. I'm not really familiar with that. <clears throat> if we're talking about poplar, <clears throat> maybe. Uh, let's see. Okay, now the third question here gets interesting. I used Rubio Intense Black to stain dye red oak eight days ago. Two days later, it's dry. As I rub my hand on it, my hand doesn't get black. <clears throat> Sorry about the voice, guys. This is an ongoing issue for me. Um, okay, so he said the Rubio stain is dry. I applied Maker Brand Simple Finish, which is an oil wax finish. Six days later, it's still not dry. And when I touch it, it leaves black stains on my hand. Any idea what's going on? Okay, Tony, when you mess with something like Rubio or Osmo, one of these interesting hard wax oil finishes, stay in the family, right? You move to a different finish. It's a very different thing that's happening with the finish, and you can't really mix and match like that. So my guess is the Rubio stain partially sealed the surface to some degree, making it difficult for the simple finish to dry. The simple finish is really a mix of a bunch of different natural oils and a little bit of wax, right? That's a more traditional kind of woodworking style finish. Um, anyone who's used some of the walrus oil uh, furniture finishes, similar thing, right? Um, Rubio is chemically very different, right? So if you use, especially here, let me, let me read this. On the Rubio website, on their pre-color easy finish, which is what he used, uh, it says it's a pre-treatment that does not protect the wood. It has to be combined with Rubio Monocoat finishing product for maximum protection. This is not optional. <laughs> so, again, it's not that you can't use another finish with this pre-coat stuff. It's just that it's not a great idea unless you absolutely know for sure it's a compatible type finish to put on top of it. So stay within the brand. If you want to experiment with something like simple oil or uh, simple finish, do that on a raw wood project. Don't worry about staining. Just use that for something where, you know, you want a clear finish. Um, combining things can be problematic. And that simple finish, 
because of the oil content, if you already have something on the surface, there's less chance that it's going to cure properly. It really needs to breathe and it's gotta have access to air to do that. And it's gotta absorb into, into the fibers to work. If there's something already on there, those are things that promote it not absorbing and not drying. So unfortunately, I'm thinking in terms of a fix, you got a problem, man. You got some uncured oil finish and that's always a real pain to get off the surface. So. You might try to, to wipe it down with some mineral spirits and, and maybe some steel wool or some abrasive pads. Try to get that finish off of there and call it a do-over. But don't, don't uh, mix and match your finishes if you could avoid it. Okay, Black Goat Woodworking. Uh, Mark, do you have a Festool OF2200? Why? Why not? I've heard mixed reviews saying it's great, super stable. Others say that, do you really need a portable shaper? Uh, that it's just a giant beast. I have it. I love it. It is a giant beast. It's really heavy and big. This goes back to previous discussions. Oop, I just dropped my, my free ring. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, it's a monster. I would not want it as my primary router. But man, there are times where I'm doing a tabletop and I'm putting a big round over or like I've got one of those thumbnail bits or something to put a really nice profile on it and I'm swinging a, a two, three inch wide bit. I love that OF2200. The tech on it is great too. The adjustability is great. It's got a little spring-loaded housing that you hit it and it goes and it pops down. So it closes the distance between the bit and the work. It closes all that off so that the integrated dust collection works like a charm. It's a fantastic router. In fact, I wish they would take the OF2200 and take a lot of those features and make a new OF1400 that contains those same features because it's fantastic. So that said, it's a beast. It is so heavy. Uh, Mark yes? in, in the uh, chat says, how's the sandbox coming along? I was looking forward to seeing how the canopy worked out. You want to talk about the sandbox? Uh, I, just sandbox? I just wanted to get it done. Yeah. So there was a lot of unsolicited feedback. <laughs> Is that the right word? Yeah. So we just... Well, that's that's par for the course. Yeah, so... Especially if you present something online with a question mark. Uh, yes. If, if you just go, here's what I'm making. This is the plan. You'll get unsolicited yeah, feedback, yeah. but it's not nearly as yeah. much as you go, I'm not really sure if this is going to work. Yeah. Boom! It yeah. takes off. Here's the thing. It wasn't the feedback that was the problem. The problem was I started to design this crank thing. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't working well. And the things that I, I, that I was going to have to do to make it work, I'm like, this is getting stupid. And I was like, Ava just wants a sandbox. Yeah, and Nicole's like, your daughter just wants a sandbox. Just yeah. let's build a she sandbox. She doesn't care if it's mechanically engineered. <laughs> and well, and then, and, and then it. safety. Yeah. Safety started to be an yeah. issue where I was like, well, if someone even said this was, this was the best response was uh, you, you, something about like not – I forget what the, the phrase is where you don't uh -huh. take enough time to consider whether you should – Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you were so busy being excited about the fact that you could, could you that you didn't think about whether you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. the thing is, as it raises up and down, there's like lots of pinch points. And... Yeah, there's the potential as this thing is suspended in the air once it's up that someone could hang from it. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea, it just kind of fell apart. And I, I was sitting there going, why am I doing this? I got to build a desk. I got to build a table. Like, yeah. furniture that I actually really, really care about. Why don't I just you know, make her a simple well, sandbox? Well, and Ava, in probably less than three years is going to be like, yeah, I'm over that sandbox. And I think more likely in less than one year, yeah. her parents are going to go, yeah, I'm kind of over the <laughs> sandbox. Kind of over the sandbox and the sand. We already have sand in, in the house, in the carpet. Yep. Like, it's going to get in our bed because <laughs> our bed is the closest like entry point yes. into the house. Like, I don't know what she was, 
what she was thinking. But yeah. I walk in and there's just a pile of sand on the carpet by the door. <laughs> I'm like, the, the, she's going to pour it on the dogs. <laughs> you know, this is going to be awful. It's going to be awful. So, so that's why I'm like, why am I putting so much effort into engineering something? I know I'm going to be tearing down yeah. a year from now. So it's not going to be a project. Nope. It was, just for Ava. It just, it's, this doesn't happen often, but this is something where you see it in my feed and then you, like, it looks like this is the active thing going mm -hmm. on and then it just disappears. This goes by You'll never hear from it again. <laughs> Swept it under the rug, Nicole. <laughs> okay, Mike Mahone, Mick Mahone. Um, he says, do you have any suggestions for a warm-up project before building the sculpted rocker? I still consider myself a beginner and haven't done any sculpting, but after completing the Morris chair, I feel like I would be able to do it with your instruction. I still need to acquire the necessary tools, though, and would love a project that would let me practice some of the necessary skills. How about the kid's step stool? Remember when I redid mm -hmm. the little step stool mm -hmm. and I had a version that I had made years ago? Yeah. And I kind of looked at the design and tried to make it you know, my current, with my current design sensibilities, make it a little bit nicer. I think that's a good project. You've got some curves in there. There's a little bit of carving to do, a little bit of shaping with rasps. I think that's a good place to start. It's a free project on our website. So um, cute. It's what is it called? Is it a kid's step sculpted, stool? Sculpted, sculpted, uh... No, I think it's kid's sitting it? bench, no, step stool. No. Just search for kid's I'll step stool. I'll look for it and put it in the show notes. She's going to put it in the show notes. Yeah. Kid's library. Everything's about the damn kids. <laughs> What's with the kids? It used yeah. to be just us. Yeah. You know, we used to be dinks. Yeah. And we even considered start. You know what a dink is? If you don't know, it's double income, no kids. Yeah. And we were very proud of our dinkhood. Well, I just, yeah. So proud that we were going to start a podcast and we bought the URL for dinks like us. We had an episode. We did? We did. It was audio, right? It was an audio podcast. So put that along with the everyday how-to. Sitting bench step stool. That's what I said. Three parts. See, and you were like, no. I don't know. Um, yeah, we, we actually really were well invested in this concept of being double income, no yeah. kids. Now we're, uh, we're double income, double kids. <laughs> double kids. So there's that. <laughs> I'm, the, the funny thing is I'm like, I'm glad we didn't do that podcast because it wouldn't have aged very well. Oh, God. <laughs> we, had a, we would have a bunch of people going through that going, yeah. you remember this? Yeah, I remember this. You remember we're like, this? All right, on today's show, we're going to talk about babies on airplanes. <laughs> Who brings those little pricks on these planes? <laughs> right? Terrible. Like, Get what out moron? Of here. And then I, meanwhile, me. oh my God, I a couple did it. years oh later with God. Mateo. Oh, it was awful. Was, I felt so bad. He was a monster on an airplane. Yeah. Absolutely horrible. He had, he, he had it was one of those things ears. where I was like, I don't know whose child that is. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm just going to go sit over here. <laughs> I'll be in the bathroom. Oh, it was it was rough. No, no fun. Okay, let's no uh, fun. let's move on to Dan Plan D Woodworks. He's got a question. I'm designing a small stool table uh, to raise my bedroom fan up to the window. It's really nice, isn't it? What? When you have a fan in front of the window and you live in a place where it cools off at yeah, night, yeah. nothing like that cool breeze coming in at night oh, yeah. to cool you down, cool the sheets down. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We, well, it didn't happen in Arizona. It was just oh, no. more warm air. You just be pushing more warm air from outside. <laughs> and even if it cooled down, all the concrete and stucco retained all the Yeah, air. yeah, yeah. Anyway, so he's <laughs> making this thing. The legs are joined in the middle to form an X. The top is made from two 10-inch wide boards. I'm trying to figure out the best way to attach the top to the legs discreetly. Do you think I could just use figure eight fasteners? Or would those not provide adequate shear strength? I think you can get away with figure eight fasteners. I mean, we're not talking about something that's got to be like... You know, you're putting a fan on it, so it's not that big of a deal. 
Um, the concern would be that at the top, as the legs come up, you've got mostly end grain. So those screws, as they go, the figure eight fastener goes into the leg, it's potentially something that is not going to be as strong as if it was going into a side or face grain of the board. I still think you could probably get away with it. Um, it would be, you know, if that's something you, you know how to do, go for it. You also could, um, I don't know if you like this idea any better, but as the legs come up in an X, you can drill straight up through those legs, do a nice counterboard hole and drive some screws up there and then cut yourself some face grain plugs and then plug it up, you know, trim it flush and that's not going anywhere. Uh, just make sure that you are, when you drill through, make sure you're, you know, slotting it to some extent, ream the hole if you need to, uh, to allow for some movement back and forth. Um, but that would be a very, very secure way to do it. Okay, I am out of questions, Nicole. Uh, which one was your last question? Dan, Dan? <clears throat> from I, Plan D. I think there uh, there might be a couple more that yeah, you missed. Yeah, I, I took them at about 6 a.m. this morning. Uh, you got one more. Oh. <laughs> it's it's not a question. Never mind. But I do get a yeah, question. Yeah, that was their idea. Yeah. Adam, mm -hmm. Adam says, just getting started with resawing here, how often would you change a blade that you use for resawing? Mm -hmm. How do you know when it's not sharp enough to avoid drift? When it's not cutting well. Yeah. It's how I feel. When I, when I cut fabric, my rotary cutter, yeah. I'm like, man, why is it not? Like, I'm getting like little fabric pieces. And it sneaks up on you. Mm -hmm. It's not like one day you go, oh, it's dull. Yeah. It's something that's slowly but surely, and you might not even notice it until it comes to mind and you yeah. go, yeah, you know what? This alder really should cut a lot easier than this, and I'm struggling. And then when you change it, you're like, oh my God, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah, this is one of the reasons, especially on a bandsaw, if it comes with a cheap blade, I recommend using it. And the reason I recommend using it is because after you use it for a while, and then it gets dull, and then you buy a premium blade, you put that thing on there, you're like, oh my gosh, now I know what all the fuss is about. I understand why I should have a good quality blade on here you need to understand the difference between sharp and dull. And the only way to do that is to actually use these things and also understand the difference between, you know, why you buy a forest blade uh, versus, you know, the cheapest blade you could find at Home Depot. Um, there are differences, but it's important to experience those differences so that you understand the value and why it's worth spending more. So that's the thing. I can't tell you exactly when it's dull, but when you start to see burning, when you start to have to push really hard or you see excessive drift that that you can't account for any other way these are things that that are kind of giving you hints that the blade probably can go but here's the thing a lot of blades can be used well beyond their prime right and you just kind of suffer through it sometimes i've done that and even to this day as much as i know that the blade needs to be replaced i'll actually do it and then what i wind up doing is breaking the blade because it's so dull i'm pushing on it i'm putting too much pressure Something goes haywire and it catches on something and boom, it just snaps. Isn't that scary? <clears throat> it's scary as hell. You drop a little turd in your pants. <laughs> it's happened to me and Jason oh um, when he was working here. I think, oh my gosh. I don't know if it, it might have happened when he was on the saw. Yeah. But it was my fault for continuing to use a blade longer than we yeah. should have. Um, that's the thing. Dull blades are more dangerous than sharp blades. Mm -hmm. Um <clears throat> Someone said about the top on the sandbox. Just to clarify, there is a top on the sandbox. Yeah, we have a top. I, she put um, a little um, pink I ordered, top yeah, on it. I found some <clears throat> umbrella fabric uh, on a website called fabric.com. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. And ordered it and stitched it together. And you have to still put it, you have yeah, to screw it I'm on. I'm going to have to attach it, but it's yeah. it will have a top. It's just a manual removable yeah, top. It's just a slide. 
The whole vision of this technological wonder, this engineering marvel that I was going to create, yes. just resulted in me returning some winches back to Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. It's not, is it July 31st? It is indeed. I thought it was August. Oh, I must have missed a day. August 1st? Yeah. No, it's July 31st. Oh, whoops. Uh, really? Let's see. I like uh, Tomas's yeah, so. logic here. He says, I recommend not trying as much as possible. Trying is the first step to failure. <laughs> you know, he's not wrong. Yeah, it's, he's speaking true words. If you, you can never fail if you never try. No, that's not... That's, we should have, don't like... Don't promote that way We should of have, like, anti-motivational <laughs> statements and posters that we make up with the Wood Whisperer brand. No. Like, if you never try, no. you'll never fail. <laughs> A blade never gets dull if it's never used. <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, Scott Reichinger mm, yeah. uh, did a super chat and said, your choice for Baba boy. Sorry. three horsepower router in a table. Hmm? I don't know. Mm. It just says right here, your, ho- your choice oh, for yes, a three yes, horsepower yes. router in a table. Uh, Scott, I like the Porter Cable 7518. Yeah, it's in our it's Amazon workhorse. store. Uh, be forewarned that the quality has gone down if you look at the reviews. You're going to see people who have been using this in like CNCs, um, you know, in router tables for ages. And the newer stuff is just not as well made and has a higher failure rate. Uh, mine is an older model from the past generation. I've ha- actually had to have a couple. Actually, see, there's very few tools. And this is kind of, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. There are very few tools that I can afford or justify sending in for repair. Right? And that thing has been in for repair twice mm. in the 15 years that I've owned it. Um, usually it's some kind of a bearing that goes and the bit just isn't doing what it's supposed to. Um, and you spend like 100 bucks to get it repaired, but totally worth it, especially since the newer ones, you spend more money on it and you wind up getting something so that's going to break for, anyway. So what you're saying is look for it used. <laughs> if you can find an older used one, I do think you're better off. I don't have a new one. I'm not speaking from experience. I'm speaking from reading reviews from people I remember one review that sticks in my head. The guy has a CNC shop. It's his primary motor for the, you know, CNC. So he's got them in like 10 machines. And he knows exactly how long these would usually last Hmm. before they need to either be rebuilt or have some kind of service. And he was like, yeah, they last about half the time uh, that they used to. Interesting. Yeah. But still. It's this one, right? Yep, that's it. I'm going to put a link uh, in the chat. But you can also go to... Our Amazon store, amazon.com slash shop slash The Wood Whisperer. And there's a category called Friday Live. Mm-hmm. And it's at the very bottom because we uh, it's been a while since we've <coughs> talked about it. But I'll also link to it directly uh, in the chat for you. Yep. Yeah, here we go. John's got one. If you stay sober, you'll never know if you're an alcoholic. <laughs> That's good. It's kind yeah, of at, least that one's, at least that one is is kind of got a positive yeah, side yeah, to Yeah, it. that is positive. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh. <clears throat> yep. Let's see. Jeremy says all table saws are safe if you don't turn them on. Sawdust Factory said apparently Porter Cable has discontinued the 7518. Have they? I don't know. I see. Isn't this it? Yeah. 7518? Oh, it's on Amazon. there's four left in stock. <laughs> Go get them. Or don't. <laughs> or don't. <laughs> uh, okay. What else? Uh, let's <clears throat> see. However, I did I... I thought I had another question. Let me just double check. Do you see any questions in the chat before um, we... Uh... David says, what's your view of Bridge City Tools? Uh, looks like they started lowering prices. I know they got bought out by a Chinese company. 
I don't have any experience with them to begin with. I don't even know why I put this question up there. I have, Just to say, I don't have I, yeah, I have exactly two Bridge City Tools products, and they are they're less expensive squares. Yeah. They've got a couple of varieties. Uh, my buddy Joseph Mensch bought yeah. them for me as yeah. a gift, and uh, I love them. They're great squares. They're fantastic. Uh, you know, I don't really think we should necessarily fear what 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 happened with that purchase. I I, I would you know take them at their word that they're using you know uh, different production methods and tools and resources even though they are in china uh to to make these tools at a lower price so i think you have to reserve judgment until you see reviews directly comparing the old and the new um did you answer ryan murphy's question about woodworkers fighting cancer sometimes i just i go through and i skip one so ryan murphy had a question watching some of your old videos on saturday morning i'm sorry were you finished talking about Mm -hmm. something you don't know anything about yes okay You're so mean to me. <laughs> Saturday morning. I don't think this is. I don't think this is working anymore. <laughs> oh, you don't think, huh? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, Saturday morning, since I didn't have a new woodworking morning show to watch, just curious, what woodworking fi- woodworkers fighting cancer project is your favorite and why? The first one. The first one was the shaker table. Yeah. It was also the first project in the guild. Yeah. So it had a huge turnout. It felt like it made me realize how powerful what we've created was Mm -hmm. with the amount of people who built this project in the name of charity. And uh, seeing so many people execute this particular build um, and the fact that it was the very first guild project, it was just a really special thing. Uh, It was the first first project that launched this whole thing in in memory of uh, Dwayne Moore. Yeah. So oh, man, it, I got to redo the... Oh, the page is... The page is wrecked. Well, again, we lost that whole th- oh, formatting. Uh, I got to fix that. Engine, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Okay. Anyway, the first one was, I think, the most special out mm-hmm. of all of them. And since then, we've had some great projects. They're always fun to do. Uh, it's, it's super fun to see everybody get behind a cause like this. But somehow that first one will always, you know, have a, a soft spot in mm-hmm. my heart. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> I like them all. They're all my favorite. Here's a good quote. You really, you really can't build this without these tools. <laughs> um, yeah. Somebody did ask us what we were planning for this year's Woodworkers Fighting Cancer. We don't know. We don't know. We usually think about it about two days before we do it. No, that's not true. Oh, it is very true. No, it's not true. I, I kind of don't know. <laughs> do we move forward with it considering the state of things? I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where we're at. Like I said, I'll think about it two days before we're ready no, to do it. usually it's in September. Apo Apina has a question. How much does your phone distract from your workflow? My phone generally distracts me How from life. How much does your phone distract you from your family? Yeah. Is usually the question. I don't know. <laughs> Hold on. What was the question? <laughs> uh, you know, the thing is my phone can be distracting because a lot of the things that I do that are kind of... Um, tangential things for the business, like scrolling through Instagram. Uh, these are things that I technically am doing in the name of the business, but they take me away from the primary thing that I need to be doing, which is building furniture and filming stuff. Uh, but I do usually, I'm pretty good at keeping a lid on it. Um, but man, I'd be lost without my phone. This is my source of entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's my source of documenting what I do. I play my podcasts from it. I text Nicole and be like, what you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> uh, it, it's, 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 so I don't think it's really a huge distraction. I think, 
I do find the phone to be a huge distraction from life, mm-hmm. you know, to cause me to, and we all kind of suffer from this, to miss moments you shouldn't have missed or to be distracted when you should be paying attention to something. So um, I am certainly guilty of that. We try to have the whole no phones well, at the table sort of rule. Right. And I know there's times where you go and you delete like social media apps from your phone. Oh, yeah. Well, it again, that's the life distraction. Yeah. So when I'm on vacation... I delete the apps because I don't want to. I don't want to be distracted by Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You know, sometimes I'll even delete my uh, mail app because I don't really? want email. Uh, <clears throat> question just came in. Jerry wants to know what is a affordable moisture meter. Oh, I don't know. Because we have you have a Wagner, but they I have said, Wagner. That's expensive. And I they... would not call that affordable. No. It's it's like one of the more expensive ones out there. It's a pinless model. Uh, Wagner does make a bunch of models, yeah. so I would look at their lower end. They make good products. Uh, but if you're looking for a truly inexpensive, reasonable option, maybe ask Matt. He might be someone who's a little more familiar with um, that whole area Which uh, of Matt? products. We know lots of Matt. Matt Cremona. There you go. Sorry. I just think everybody knows who <laughs> everybody, everybody knows Matt. <laughs> yeah, ask, ask Cremona. Um, but yeah, outside of Delmhurst and Wagner... Those are the only ones I have experience with, and neither one of those can be called cheap. And mm-hmm. I mean cheap is in inexpensive, not quality cheap. Ryan Murphy, you won the Guild Project. I'm going to send you a message now. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else? We got any? Jake wants us to make um, the WFC project be face masks. <laughs> we'll just do it'll be a to... sewing project. A you sewing. can do it. I could totally do I'll it. I'll take the year off. Yeah. How about that? It's actually really easy to do. Okay. I love it when I when I see men sewing. Oh, me too. Just, I mean, it just, it, just think about it. It gets though. me going, Nicole. Stop it. <laughs> no, I mean, big burly, muscly man. You can't sewing. deny that that there are certain hobbies like woodworking that are traditionally thought for a specific, you know, the stereotypes gender stem from reality. Right. Well, yes, but like sewing, typically a woman. It's a woman dominated. Yeah. Um, Knitting, area. but I absolutely love it when I see men get outside of their comfort zone and just start sewing their own mask or mm-hmm. sewing, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, it's I have good, no interest in it's sewing. A, it's a great skill to have. No, I know. I agree. It, it would be great to have. I just have no interest in it. Why? I have no interest in cloth mm. materials. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind wearing them. <laughs> I just don't want to have any part in making any of that <laughs> yeah. stuff. I don't know. I'm very particular yeah. about what materials I want to play with and, and fabric. Gotcha. Just isn't one of my materials. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> I think I'll keep you okay. around. <laughs> I like your style. Uh, oh, got just got a super chat. Hey, bros. Can I tell you something about mm-hmm. bros? <laughs> my style. Bros? Bro. Okay. Bro. Bruh. Bruh. Bros. B-R-U-H. B-R- B-R-O-S. Bros. That's bros. Bros. <clears throat> My son uh, is obsessed with saying brah. Bruh. Bruh. He I, saw someone on YouTube say it, yeah. so now it's his favorite thing. And he said that to me the other day. I go, I'm not your brah. And sometimes he'll like... I'm your mom. He'll roll the, the B <laughs> yes. and go brah. <laughs> what his deal is. Oh, gosh. Because <laughs> uh, that so, has a good point. He'd sew more if he had a jukey. Uh, like you have. The Juki is awesome. Yeah. I, I'm i very spoiled with the Juki. Anyway, so, Art Vision Man said, mm-hmm. hey, bros, uh, do you recommend using square, dr- using square drill for mortise and tenon square hole? And do you review 
for tools such as these square drill bits? Do you see the question? It's right there. You're looking right at it. I'm confused. Um, so, I, okay, so, we're, we're, you know, there is a thing called a ho hollow chisel mortiser. It's got a square chisel and a bit that goes inside and it makes square holes. So, do you recommend using square drill for mortise and tenon square hole? So if I understand the question, yes, I think that's a great way to make a mortise. And then, uh, do you do reviews for tools such as these? Not the bits themselves, but I have done a video showing how to tune up a hollow chisel mortiser. That's definitely in there. Uh, and, I th and I don't really, here's the thing, I don't really do reviews anymore, right? That's something that I've kind of gotten away from. Um, I will show tools on this show. I will give people previews of tools and maybe give a little bit of opinion on them. But I haven't really done, probably not since the Festool Cyclone when they came out with that um, CT, I think it's a CT Vac or CT Cyclone or something. That little Cyclone unit. That was the last tool review that I did. Hmm. I just find tool reviews to be so messy. Yeah. It's so difficult these days. Well, and everybody to, has an opinion. Well, it's, just, it's the opinions, but it's also, you know, the integrity thing. Well, and the product will change over time. So there are, you have tool reviews from like 2012, yeah. 2011, that like that DeWalt one, and people are still coming up yeah. on that going, well, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it wasn't the case when we made this video. Well, and there's also, we live in a world now where a lot of these companies are still, they're, they're accessible, they're more accessible. So make, you, you know, and I guess this is probably a good thing, but there have been times where I've been, uh, you know, I'm going to use the word attacked, but yeah. I'm using that word lightly, lightly, um, attacked for expressing an opinion about a product. Because what happens is it's a very powerful thing. When you have a certain number of subscribers, you say something bad about a product, you could hurt a company. It's a huge responsibility. So it's not something we should, for people who do what I do, we should not be taking that lightly mm -hmm. because you could really do some damage, especially with some of these really small companies, family-owned. Uh, you got to be careful. So I think that's actually a good thing. We should all be thinking twice before saying, I like or don't like, this is crap, this is good. And especially in a world where the more... Uh, the more aggressive you are about your review and saying how bad something is, the more attention it gets. Yeah. And that's bad news because a lot of people will do that and be aggressively on one side of the, the decision matrix just to get more views, right? I like the mantra <clears throat> my mom always said, don't say anything. Don't stick your in the tools. <laughs> What'd she say? Uh, don't say anything. What was it? Uh... If you can't say anything nice, don't say it at all. Right. Well, the problem is, though, you have to say critical yeah. things in reviews. But if you're not being nice. But my point is. There's, it, there's, there's nice and then there's just mean. I think the world of woodworking tool reviews could use a little more honesty. Yeah. And a little bit more level-headedness. Sure. And not being so aggressive about saying something is great or something is crap. Right? <clears throat> <clears throat> just for the clicks. Just for the clicks. I do it uh, for the clicks, baby. Uh... Active Art Vision Man said something. Uh, he said, can I send you one set from Amazon? Is he talking about the... Cho <laughs> OJ. Did you see what OJ said? Where? Uh, oh, I missed it. It's all the way down. <laughs> this show is okay. <laughs> he's, he's really excited about he's very... our mediocrity, I think. <laughs> Well, they, hey, they, you've heard it. We should probably use that as like a um, testimonial. I think that should be a testimonial. This show is okay. It's okay. It's not great. 
It's I'm not, not sure. I'm not sure what um, <clears throat> Art Vision Man is is uh, asking to say. All right, let you. me tell you this about that, Nicole. Okay. <laughs> you just channel your mom. If yeah, no. If I'm wrong, uh, I apologize. Yeah. I'm, but I'm going to say this. I have a pretty keen spam and and BS detector, and I feel like Art Vision Man is trying to push a product. Like you see with those Facebook ads, right? The amazing drill bit oh, yeah. that drills square holes. They forget to tell you that you need a hollow chisel mortiser to mm -hmm. use it. Mm -hmm. I, again, I apologize. I'm just throwing this out there. I think that's what's going on. I, but what has me really puzzled is that they paid $5 for a super chat yeah. to talk to us about this. I don't know. So again, uh, Vision Man, correct me if I'm wrong. If you are trying to send me a product that's a Chinese-made <laughs> tool uh, that's an amazing square drill bit and you also put ads on facebook for that thing i'm not interested in talking to you i'm sorry but yeah. it, it, this is going in a direction that's setting off my alarm okay i apologize if i'm wrong i don't mean to be mean we get we get he could just be a dude yeah. that wants to send me something yeah. so i could check it out yeah i'm i'm gonna go with that side yeah <clears throat> which side the just a dude see and and he's now saying the show is more than okay and i just potentially insulted him <laughs> This is, this is the kind of love you get from this show. <laughs> That's why it's so hard to do sometimes. <laughs> Jeremy agrees on the bits. I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure. Who knows? Who knows? What else we got? Uh, I think that's, I think that's it. I think, I think we can wrap it and move over to the after show. Um, if you're not sure what the after show is, it's just more of this. It's uh, a lot more of this garbage. A lot more. And I'll put a link to the after show in the chat room. Uh, so you can easily. There you go. Um, this is interesting. Apoapina says, "Trouble is, a big channel kind of can't make a too negative of a review, but smaller channels can." And not necessarily true. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. It's just that it gets the stakes are higher when yeah. you have a larger audience. Because isn't, you, isn't that how we lost Festool? <laughs> well, the way we lost Festool was because I didn't rave about oh. how much better their track saw was than yeah. the Dewalt. Oh. Remember? Yeah. And yeah. I did a review on a... I reviewed a competitor's tool and yeah. didn't say it was garbage. That's what led to that happening. And there's new management there. It's a yeah. whole different thing there. There was a... It's no... no. We're not yeah. talking bad about this. No, no. We can do that in the after show. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Join the after show and you'll hear all that stuff. Uh, Craig. Just Craig... Craig Chagrin. Is it Chagrin? How do you say his life? I would say Chagrin. Chagrin. Hammond said, This show is better than okay. It's... Better than okay. Okay, well, we've uh, progressed. Yes. So there's that. Uh, okay, so I think that just about wraps it up. Yeah. Samuel says, this is a tough love show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Given the tough oh, love. You know what? Um, yeah, Showbot guild meeting was last night, Gary. Showbot working? <clears throat> I wonder if Showbot's working. I thought I fixed it, but let's see. Okay. We're going to go yeah. now. Bye. See ya. <laughs> Have Bye, a good everyone. weekend.